0: You mess with me again, Michael, and I'll tell my father myself, and he really will kill you. Happy eleven, bring my car around.
1: Welcome to Rags to Bitches, a Dynasty Watch Party podcast. Kick back as we experience every slap. Stilly Glare, and Cruel Barb from the 1981 Primetime Soap Opera. With discussions, games, and so much more, there's plenty of campy fun as we
0: party our way through the bigger motions and even bigger hair in the one, the only, dynasty. dynasty. I'm A.G. And I'm Amy. And let's do this thing. Okay, so we are going to be looking at Season 1, Episode 3, Oil Part 3, and it'll be really nice to have a different title for the next episode, that um, we're not just, you know, oil part 230. So again, same as before, this is not really anything new, but um, yeah, 12th of January, 1981 was the air date, ranked 12th in the Nielsen ratings, directed by Ralph Sineski, written by Richard and Esther Shapiro. Those things will change, but it's interesting to see some of the different things that will happen based on different people being involved in creating it. And on that note, I felt like, I think it was this episode that one of the other directors, Don, his name is escaping me, but he will come up later. He must have done reshoots because he did certain parts of it. He's listed on the wiki as like a partial director. And I feel like this, he's hes one of the ones that are partial to the face zoom in, because I feel like this episode had quite a few of them.
1: Yeah, there were a lot on this one. And this episode, I guess it was okay. Um, I think the other two episodes gave it a stronger start. I think number one was a good start. Number two was pretty strong. This one was just, to me, meeting a lot of people in a reception line. And I think that's what the episode could have been called.
0: Yep. Meeting in a reception line instead of oil part 27. <laughs> so I guess going into the notes, this episode, it, it actually has considerably less notes than than others. I just have my first one I've already sort of mentioned, but um, the women all have flat hair, but the men, there's so many perms.
1: <laughs> it's the 80s, baby. <laughs>
0: It's just, I just love that the men spend more time on their hair than the women.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Probably more products too.
0: Probably. Cause yeah, like, like I know the big hair comes into it later, but like they're all aside from Crystal and her fabulous blowout, they're all pretty sort of like everyday hairstyles.
1: Yeah, this was like the transition years, right? From like the 70s with the hippie hair into the like big hair in the 80s. So I call this the bridge.
0: Yeah, no, that's right. Well, and I actually think from, and this might make an interesting um, segment for you later on, I actually think that Dynasty is incredibly heavily responsible for a lot of the big hair and shoulder pads.
1: Oh, hmm.
0: So maybe do some research to see if I'm full of crap (laughs) like because it's at a prime spot because like I think the the crazy outfits and everything come in when Joan Collins comes in uh, at season two so that would only be I think season two aired in 1981 as well so that's still very early in the 80s so it'd be interesting to see how much Dynasty actually impacted that excessive 80s fashion
1: yeah for sure
0: So aside from that, um, I've said that the zoom ins in this episode are particularly apparent, which is what I've said before. And the wedding kind of goes off without a hitch. Like there's no one coming and saying, I object.
1: I was kind of disappointed in that. Like I was like waiting for there to be some sort of drama in the wedding because soap operas that always happens. Right. And it's just like, no, kiss. They look at each other and it's over. And that was it. And I was like, I have waited
0: 72 (laughs) hours for this wedding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I deserve more. I deserve drama. Someone slap someone. Um, That's why this episode is called People Talking in the Reception Line. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But the thing that
0: I think they did well uh, with the wedding was that um, I like that they had the, you know, speak now or forever hold your peace and, or, or speak now or forever hold his peace. Like I did notice that, that it's not, it was only just like, if any man has something to say about this, not any woman. And I was like, well, that's an interesting thing. But when that was going on, they cut to Matthew standing on the hill where they were talking. And I, I liked that aspect yeah. of it that created the, the minimal drama that was necessary for that.
1: And it it made you feel bad for Matthew, even though he's a philandering man who's cheating on his mentally ill wife with Crystal, but it made you feel bad for him for a minute. Made you forget that for a second. Yes, that, that's right. Well, and I mean, I
0: guess the other thing is because of that nuance, we are able to feel bad for him. Like we we feel bad for his wife, but we feel bad for his daughter and we f- we feel bad for him because it's like we've seen that family dynamic. And so that just kind of piled on top of it that clearly you know as we said it was pretty obvious in the scene beforehand but he was telling her that so that she'd walk away
1: right and, and so, maybe so know, he's that he being feel the like... hero right well maybe it, some of it was for him to walk away too you know maybe he had to like close the door before it could be closed on him so that he could dedicate his time to his daughter and his wife and and really be serious about his family instead of having this lingering in the background. And then yeah, so the reception
0: starts and the cracks start to show in this perfect fairy tale wedding. Because up until this point, I mean aside from the Matthew thing, it kind of was just a fairy tale wedding. It's it's not like it's kind of what happens to cinderella at the end which i guess is a good comparison for crystal that she's kind of like okay the wedding
1: happens but what happens to cinderella
0: after the wedding
1: right i don't think crystal realized what she was getting into exactly no no i
0: think she um did the (laughs) with all the conversations with felon and that and she's like
1: jesus christ
0: what have i done (laughs)
1: Right. My favorite, I, I wrote this down in my notes. My favorite line from this episode was best congressman money can buy.
0: <laughs> well, I have a favorite line too, but it hasn't come up yet. So I'll, I'll, I'll share that soon, but I did love that one about the best congressman money can buy. So as you said, most of this episode, like I was never bored of this episode It never got to a point where I was bored, but just in terms of stuff that we can discuss, there's not a huge amount. Um, But yeah, they were discussing about, you know, that guy killed his wife with a pantyhose and it took him X amount of dollars to get him off. Half a million
1: dollars. Half a million dollars to get him off. Um, And And that's the lawyer who got him off. Yeah, And then Fallon with the football players, all of them giving her kisses on the lips and crystals just watching it like, what in the hell?
0: I know. Well, my mind at that point just went to like, is she like the Kelly Bundy of Colorado? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's another thing that like, I'm not sure the intention, but like it came off as a little bit comedic when she just kept kissing. Like, I think it's meant yeah. to be that she's shocking, but obviously- like, this is 2021. That's not shocking anymore. Um, <laughs> and and it came off as like kind of comedic, like a like a Kelly Bundy kind of character.
1: Yeah. But not yeah. as dumb. <laughs> it, it kind of, but it kind of feeds into that dumb um, stereotype, right? Because you see her and you think she's an entitled princess and she's had everything given to her and she's probably not very smart and she doesn't need to be because daddy takes care of everything. Um, And you see her behave in this way, right? Like Kelly Bundy would. But then later on, she has conversations and you see like her intelligence and her business sense really shine through. So another, once again, another character with multiple layers. Well, and I think that's, that's
0: the thing that stops her from being annoying. Like she comes off as an entitled princess, but the thing that stops her from being annoying is the fact that she is intelligent and her father is overlooking her purely because she's a woman.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: And so that gives her that level of depth, which again is not something that I was actually expecting.
1: No. And, and for Blake, for all of my complicated feelings about him in the last episode, he had talked to her about marrying a Colby, uh, for it to be basically a business merger. That was like the last, the first episode um, of the pi- of the three hour pilot. <laughs> and um, she had mentioned something about her brother. And he's like, that's not happening. So here's Blake, who's a man of older age. And he has this huge haha, dynasty. <laughs> and he 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 doesn't know who's going to take the helm of it and he wants more and that's why he wants this marriage with Colby but he doesn't have anyone that he can really really rely on because Fallon for I mean Fallon's a loose cannon she just is
0: she is yes I'm not sure I'd want her in charge of my company because as smart as she is she's also recklessly impulsive
1: (laughs) yes very much so
0: so yeah, which then brings us to the Colbys because we we haven't really spoken about them. Um, was this the first time that they appeared or had they appeared prior to this?
1: This was the first time they appeared. They were mentioned before when Fallon was riding the horse with Blake. That's right. But this yes. was the first time that uh, they both appeared.
0: Yes, Jeff and Cecil, Cecil.
1: Yes. What are your thoughts on the Colbys at this point? I don't know. Because Jeff seems to be very different from Blake, and he seems to be very different from Cecil um, in his beliefs and how he talks and how he sees things. And even him and Fallon have a a go between them about things. Um, And he even says to Stephen, like, you know, that he's one of the good Republicans, right? And Cecil, um, I just get dirty old man vibes from him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, I was going to say, he's, <laughs> Cecil is
0: very oily, very slick, <laughs> um, and not in a good way. Not slick. No in good pun way. intended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no pun intended. I mean, that was purely intentional. I, that's how clever I am. But <laughs> Jeff at this point is just kind of standing there, just being like, my name is Jeff. Like he doesn't <laughs> really, he's just, he's given me nothing at this point.
1: Remember when we met each other at camp when we were 11 years old and oh, we should get married.
0: Why not? Like
1: <laughs> We haven't seen each other in years, but that one day at camp when we were 11 years old.
0: Well, I mean, let's face it. They're basically talking like dowries and stuff like that. So I don't are. know. I don't know if, if they're liking each other is actually factored in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just, just thought that him bringing up camp when they were 11 years old, like, more than once it just to me that was funny
0: <laughs> well it's probably it's probably like you know when you meet someone that you haven't seen in so long and you've got nothing to talk about yeah and like the conversation used to flow and now it's like yo, you're still you into pokemon Like
1: <laughs>
0: which then brings us to some of the actual drama and one of the moments that kind of solidified felon's sass her trademark sass for me was when michael blackmails her when he's in the bathtub yes i did love that and so she I tries to drown him
1: <laughs> that was a great scene that was a, a great scene i That's did probably love it. like the best scene for me from this for this episode or the second best i guess
0: yeah I, I, it's, it's right up there for me because like she's it's, it's recklessly impulsive the way that she has been before as like an heiress, but it's also a I'm going to take no crap from you kind of thing. Right, too.
1: right. She's trying to assert her power over him and and he's a man with ambition. And I just don't think he realizes what he's getting into. I don't think anyone who gets into this family does or else they wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be leaving the family, not coming in. <laughs> That then brings me
0: to one of my favorite scenes, which was the Jehovah's Witnesses at the door. Yes. <laughs> I love it. That was
1: one of my favorite scenes too. I'm like, on my notes, I have Jesus door knockers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the um, I've actually got the entire... Conversation written down here because I just loved it so much. It was good afternoon. Do you know where you'll be spending eternity? And the funny thing is, I actually, and this is not without a word of a lie, I actually received um, some Jesus literature in the mail, um, which never (laughs) happens, but I received some Jesus literature in the mail and it said, Do you know where you'll be spending eternity? And I was like, This is crazy. Like, is. Is the Google <laughs> algorithm so succinct now that it knows I'm watching Dynasty, so it's sending me the the God botherer mail?
1: It's your phone tracking you.
0: Yeah, who, who knows? <laughs> to which Claudia replied, um, "I'm sorry, I don't have time right now." Uh, and the Jehovah's Witnesses said, "How do you know you won't be going to hell?" And she replied, "Because I've already been there." And it's like, boom! I loved it.
1: <laughs> do y'all get Jesus knockers over where you're at?
0: Um, not like they exist here, but I don't typically get them. No.
1: We get them. And I feel so bad telling them to go away, but I don't like people. So go away. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not judging you based on your religion. I'm just judging you because
0: you're a person that's
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're human and you're in my space go. Well,
0: I'm just like, you know, I'm probably sitting there being like, "Mm, do you know what? I think, the, the gay is set in, so sorry. I just don't think I can help you with this one.
1: <laughs> one of the things that I noticed when we have Stephen and Jeff having a conversation is all the carpeting in the house. And I remember that carpeting used to really be a sign of wealth. And now people are like, pull that stuff up now. Yeah, and so like, that was-
0: Look at this, I've means... got shag pile. I'm yes. very rich.
1: And they had like- in the conversation between those two, like there was references to Oscar Wilde and references to Oedipus and uh, the Bolsheviks and fascists. Like it was a a pretty decent back and forth. And I think that was done to show us who he is because, you know, they're trying to make Fallon marry him and we need to know a little bit more about him. Yeah, well, Um, that's
0: that's actually, I will say, that's a fair point that that scene gave us more than when he was talking to felon. Cause when he was talking to felon, as I said, he's just like, my name is Jeff. And then that was about it. But it was like right. that, that scene, I had forgotten a lot about that scene. Um, yeah, that scene really helped develop him as a character. But one thing I will say random thing, did you notice the duct tape on the carpet? I did not. When Steven is standing over at the window, you can see the duct tape next to the couch, and that's his marker where he's got to go and sit later. Ah. So I noticed. Good noticed eye. That. just? <laughs> and then I was because I was like, that's like random duct tape on the floor. That must be his mark. And then he went over. And, and then you like,
1: couldn't see it, right?
0: Well, it's only in like one shot, so like it wasn't super distracting or anything. But yeah, that was just something that I noticed.
1: Then the the back and forth between Stephen and Jeff, we get more. About Stephen and who he is as a person too, and that uh, is solidified with um, what happens after our dear Walt actually shows up. Yes, well, because that's the thing about
0: you know the Cinderella story, isn't it? That um, every little girl just dreams about you know, the fabulous white dresses and the, the tiered wedding cake and the man being mauled by Dobermans at the end just to top <laughs> it all off.
1: That wants to kill her husband.
0: Yeah, that <laughs> shows up with a gun. <laughs> you sure Crystal didn't put him up to that for, like, that money? Yeah, gold digging. <laughs> Although if that was the case, she might not have been um, so quick to sign her premarital agreement. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, yeah, it kind of puts a damper on the mood because literally everyone's at the
1: front. And and Blake is trying so hard to save face. And Crystal is just like looking from person to person to Blake and she is not having it on her wedding day. (laughs) Well, yeah,
0: like she is just more like, I don't know, I read her expression as like, what the is going on here? (laughs)
1: Like,
0: Like she was a bit taken aback
1: whereas like, like she was like that way through the whole reception
0: though she's probably on drugs <laughs> <laughs> that's how yeah, they get that vodka. that's how they get that glazed look in their eyes when they stare <laughs> off into the distance as the camera zooms in on them we're
1: kidding we're
0: kidding but yeah like it's I, I took it to me as like she was taken aback which she probably would be right like if you're on your wedding day and a man shows up with a gun and then he gets attacked by dopamine, she's probably like um um what do
1: I do? Here's the thing that was that actually made me have a little bit of empathy for Crystal is like, she has like this handful of people there for her, you know, like four or five of her friends came and everyone else is a business associate of Blake. And it's like a business function and not her wedding. And she's seeing all of these different people and she's getting overwhelmed. And she's learning all these things about these people. And it doesn't reflect well against, uh, uh, well for Blake. It doesn't reflect well on him, the associations he has with some of these people.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And well, I mean, I guess the one bright side for, um, for Crystal on this wedding day is she seemed to take the good sense and not invite Doris. Because <laughs> she wasn't going to be like, oh, by the way, have you spoken to your ex-boyfriend?
1: that damn doris doris <laughs> would have stood up and be like no, i object i object
0: <laughs> i don't want to be alone forever oh doris so yeah so matthew then gets the phone call from stephen which is another moment that kind of humanizes him in a way that you don't get with a lot of the other carringtons um right. that he really Claudia cares answers- about walter
1: Claudia answers the phone and then gets Mike gets Matthew for it, but you know, it, they're really setting up Stephen to be the black sheep of the family. Um, but in this case, the black sheep actually has holy white wool,
0: but that's where, yeah, I think it, it was a good way to set him up as like, he will do the right thing. No one else, um, like felon couldn't care less. And and Blake's obviously orchestrating it all, and Crystal, much like a lot of the drama, which I'm assuming will change later on, she just doesn't have a clue. No. Um. Well, actually, even by the end of this, she starts to get in on it a little bit. Um. By the end of this episode, she just stares. She just stares. Yeah. Which again, it's like it's your wedding day. You're probably like, "What the hell is everyone doing?" Like, this is meant to be about me.
1: (laughs) I would be like someone did that on my wedding day I would be throwing punches man I would just stare I'd be like you and me we're gonna have a talk this is my day my day but she's but she's trying to be a
0: lady um, um ladies being a lady is overrated Yeah, no, don't worry about that. Just go and punch someone. (laughs) This podcast does not advocate punching
1: people unless we're kidding. We would never physically harm anyone at all. We've (laughs) never been to a Brazilian jujitsu gym. We've never gone to an M. We never do any of that at all, ever.
0: (laughs) We don't advocate violence unless it's poorly choreographed with terrible sound effects. (laughs) That's what I'm hoping happens with Dynasty. Yes. So Matthew shows up to help Walter um, who's getting his ass kicked at this point. Um, And they kind of have a bit of a confrontation, which I love that dynasty is known. I think of um, when, when I think of dynasty, one of the first things I go to is American dad uh, where Roger's watching (laughs) dynasty and it's like, bitch, bitch, bitch. (laughs) And then he goes, wow, they really knew how to write women characters back then. Um, And it's, it's just, that's kind of the image that I have of Dynasty in my head. And obviously this is changing it somewhat. Um, but I love that the bitch fights in season one are all the men. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. it's another thing too that's interesting is how much screen time is spent on the men. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: it's, it's very not something.
0: Yeah. Like I thought it was a very female sort of driven show, Um, which obviously is what it becomes but it it there's a lot more focus on on the men than I thought there would be
1: I mean maybe they're doing that to bring in the female viewers because at that time Dallas had been on the air for a while and you had yeah Knott's Landing too that had a connection with Dallas and you had you know uh, Patrick Ewing or Bobby Ewing who was played by Patrick Duffy and you had JR and you had Ray and you had these rugged men. So maybe that's what they were trying to do with that too. Maybe, maybe that's what they were trying to do.
0: Um, <clears throat> but I think it's interesting too that, um, that a lot of these episodes are written by men and you could instantly just say, Oh, well, that's a reflection of the time. That's a reflection of the eighties. Um, and I know we're talking about early eighties versus my next examples, late eighties. But I've also been through and watching episodes of Married with Children, um, and that is predominantly written by women, at least the seasons I'm watching at the moment. A lot of the episodes are actually written by women, which you would think this, this raunchy, you know, dude bro show, um, and it's actually written by a lot of women. And yet this soap opera, which is targeted at women, is written by men. It's just weird. It is strange. So the zooms go into super mega hyper overdrive at this point um, between all the characters just staring at each other. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we get the to be continued. Um, and then that's the end of that. But I, I do believe that um, the to be continued kind of gets dropped pretty pretty soon, um, which is yeah. a good thing because it's, it's a bit hokey.
1: It is. It is. But it's a sign of the times, right? It is, yes.
0: So um, I guess now we um, are ready for Amy Presents The More You Know.
1: Okay, so today's The More You Know is a little morbid, uh, and I apologize for that. But so Fallon tells Crystal about Bradley Milburn, who is the man who murdered his wife with her own pantyhose. And that sounded so absurd to me that I'm like, man, did this, was this like something happening during that time? And yes, it was. Um, there was a serial killer called the Stocking Strangler who murdered people between the 70s and 80s. And he was caught in the 80s in 1976. Karen Kloss, who was the ex-wife of one of the righteous brothers, Bill Medley, was killed with her pantyhose. In 1985, a retired army colonel uh, (laughs) killed his wife, Barbara, with her pantyhose. In 1995, a man killed his wife and his son by strangling both of them with their pantyhose. In 1999, Dr. Andrew Caraba killed his wife, Diane, with her pantyhose and just a few years ago, in Jordan, a woman was killed with her pantyhose. So, pantyhose are a f- weapon. pantyhose are a weapon.
0: Pantyhose are a weapon, um, and it's crazy. It's crazy to think that that because you know, that sounds to me like a really crazy soap opera storyline. Like that, you'd like. Well, that's just not really happening in real life, and turns out it's
1: not only happened once, it's happened multiple times. Yeah. And those were just a few. There there were more. (laughs) And that's exactly the reason why I looked it up because it just was so absurd to me. But it's true.
0: It just sounds crazy.
1: Well, we
0: will finish up in a moment, but just before we do, let's jump to a couple of questions about 80s trivia so how well do you know the 80s is our game today let's jump in we'll do a few questions and see how we go so question number one is which actor was originally cast to play back to the future character marty mcfly eric stoltz i actually knew that one too which year was the album purple rain released 1986 or 1984
1: i have no idea 86 was it 86 maybe it was 84. i don't know i was when i was young and it was i was older when i grew an appreciation for it 84. 84 okay i was like not even 10 years old so
0: i wasn't even born so <laughs> where did the 1988 olympics take place uh atlanta so, your no. choices are Lake Placid, New York, or Calgary, Canada? Oh, um, Calgary, Canada. Uh, it was in Calgary. So, okay. you got that right. Woohoo, two out of three. <laughs> All right. We'll go for five, I think. Okay. What's the total number of dots in a Pac Man maze? 244 or 196? 196. <laughs> 244 apparently oh man i'm doing bad
1: well then i didn't they, get a chance to study that's why they
0: are really really specific here we go i feel like this is one oh no you will definitely get this one because even i know this one in the breakfast club which song plays during the opening and closing credits
1: don't you forget about me don't you mind forget. and you know what they wrote that for uh, Billy Idol and he turned it down and Simple Mind got it. And that's how it became famous. What a fool. That's one of All my right.
0: favorite movies. Well, that's why I thought you'd get it. All right, well, we'll go one last question, which will give us six questions. So what is the name of the dog in the sitcom Punky Brewster? Brandon or Charlie?
1: Charlie. No. Is Charlie the, the guy who adopts her or is that the dog? Oh don't no, I give up. Uh, the, it was Brandon. So Charlie must've been the guy. I have okay. no idea because I have. Who names a dog? It. Brandon. I don't know
0: <laughs>
1: who names. That's a, kid a terrible punky name Brewster? for a dog. That is a terrible name
0: for a dog. But then again, it's a show named punky Brewster. Like I don't think naming things was their forte. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, um, we're going to finish up now and, um, um, with the epic wedding behind us, the drama that awaits our heroine and the messed up stories are still to come. Find out what happens next in our next episode where we dive into episode four, The Honeymoon. Now, I f- that up, royally. and I'll probably just re-record that, but that's fine. All right. Um, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, bitch. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do something with it. Maybe that needs to be the way we say goodbye and has bye bitch.
1: Bye bitch.
0: What are your thoughts on the series so far? Let us know by leaving us an audio message at anchor.fm forward slash rags to bitches. You can also reach out to us on our social media with all the links below. We can't wait to hear from you, until next time, keep it classy, and keep the party going.